Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome into the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Before we get to today's episode, I want to tell you about a great sponsor of the network and of this podcast, and that is AutoNation. You're familiar with AutoNation. If you're looking to buy or sell a vehicle, AutoNation is where you want to go. They're the largest auto retailer from coast to coast, and of course, they have locations all over South Florida. Their friendly and knowledgeable staff here in South Florida will help you save big on a huge selection of new cars, trucks, and SUVs. Toyota, Honda, Chevrolet, Mercedes-Benz, and much, much more. And if you're looking to buy pre-owned, shop AutoNation's huge selection of one-price pre-owned vehicles. They're all clearly marked with one price, their lowest price guaranteed. Or if you want to get rid of that old car, turn it into cash today, get a top dollar offer, and a check the very same day. They'll buy your car with no purchase necessary. Is your check engine light on? Right now, get the services you need at low AutoNation prices, oil changes, tires, batteries, and more. All for less, call or visit autonation.com to schedule your appointment today. And one more thing, if you're in the market for a new car, DM me at 5 Reason Sports on Twitter. That's at the number 5 Reason Sports on Twitter, and I'll give an AutoNation senior manager your info so they can reach out to you directly and walk you through the buying process. That's AutoNation, AutoNation.com. And now, on to today's episode. Welcome to 5 on the Floor. A Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. Alf954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. I'm Ethan Skolnick. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. That's at Five Reasons Sports. That's the number five. And also, obviously, check out our website, FiveReasonsSports.com. That is spelled out, F-I-V-E. We make it very complicated for you. Uh, make sure that you check that out because uh, once heat season starts, I'll be writing again. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's, um, it's a thing. Anyway, um, yesterday we got into Bradley Beal for the Miami Heat and what the options are there. There's been a little bit of news there today. I guess the Wizards are making it clear through Woj that they don't want to trade him. I mean, why would you say you wanted to trade him? Like, okay. I don't know why this is news today, but anyway. Um, but today, Alf and I are going to go to an, another expert opinion, or at least an expert opinion, because neither of us are experts. We're going to go to Clay Ferraro from WPLG Channel 10. I love how this comes into Clay, because you don't come in here on our little Zoom link. Uh, by the way, buy the stock, because I own it. Um, as Clay, you come in as Clayton. How many people, oh. call, how many people call you Clayton. What, uh, my wife does. She thinks the the clay thing. She's like, wait a minute. I always knew he was Clayton before. Where's this clay stuff coming from? I, I, I don't know. I, so, so it's like one of those things where uh, I, I guess 
the people closest to you call you one thing and and you're known as the other but uh yeah yeah so i guess that's why it pops up but by the way guys i mean if you're looking for an expert I'll go find one for you. I mean, uh, I, I don't, I don't is know. Will there? Will's actually, look, I don't want to, look, I don't want to insult you, Clay, because I love you. I, I do watch Channel 10. Uh, I wish you guys would invite me on there, but that's a whole nother story. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, so I've had to go on seven because I never hear from you guys. But uh, I'm just, you know, it's interesting because I did reach out to Will on another matter and then something came up and I said, Hey, you want to come on the podcast with us again? Cause Will's done it a couple of times, but he's not currently in Florida as far as I know. Manso, so, right? Manso is uh, in Montana and right. uh, he, he's been sending his pictures from there. And, and I, I actually thought for a while that he was going to stay, that he wasn't going to come back. He was sending his pictures of there were literally Buffalo roaming out there and, and pictures of uh, deer and all sorts of nature, all that good stuff unfortunately they don't have salty donuts out there and mm. so he sent us a text back and he said that's it that was a deal deal breaker right there so mm. uh, be back do they me. even have a news station out there no that's actually believe it <laughs> up, Alf, that's actually why he went up there or, or part of the reason why he went up there first off he wanted to show his his family the first market he ever worked in but he also went back and and uh and visited the station and so it wasn't just getting a feel for the area uh, but he visited the station up there. I, I guess it's Missoula, Montana. And and funny enough, the main anchor, who was the anchor when he was there, what twenty years ago, is still the main anchor there. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, that do, that I, doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, yeah. And I came here. <laughs> I I, uh, I came to Florida from Idaho Falls. I was in Fort Myers for a while uh, in between those two. So, uh, you know, it's it's a different world up there in a number of ways. But but I'm sure you're. Uh, I, I'm sure you guys will get some pictures and all that stuff when he gets back. They have a television up there, like a, not just television station, like yeah, a television. yeah, seriously, yeah, it, it's it's black and white TV. I think uh, they haven't quite come into color yet. Maybe HD in like thirty years or so, but uh, slowly but surely. Well, they right. simulcast on the transistor radio, so That's right. <laughs> the whole family gathers around. Well, unless yeah. I fix my mic, my my podcasts are going to sound like that. So I promise people, <laughs> the, the mic the mics are getting fixed. One more question before we get to the heat here. A lot of people have noticed that our buddy George Sedano and Will look alike on some pictures on Instagram and other places. So, Clay, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who's better looking? Let's see. Since I've never met George in person, believe it. You've never met George in person? How is that no. possible? No. No, I got here, I think, the year after he left. Ah, okay. And, uh, and I think he may have been at – a couple of games that I was at, but I was covering one part and, uh, and Manso was covering the other. So, anyway, so uh, I'll just have to lean, lean towards Will by default, especially since I have to deal with him on a daily basis. And, uh, but yeah, he's the one thing I can say about Will, he's just got this musk, this scent. And uh, I think, I think that would put him over the top. And he's also that. a much nicer person, which makes him more attractive. Yeah, I, agree with <laughs> that. I agree with that George is an asshole. I agree with really? that. Completely really? Completely. Nah, he's yeah, one of my best friends, but he's an asshole. Uh, and, he'll, <laughs> and, and, and he'll be he'll be listening to this because he, he was listening to the podcast from the other day and wanted to know why I was doing it from a closet. So again, people, I, I apologize for this. Mike is getting fixed. I'm not a technical person, but we're going to move on to the content. All right, so here's what we want to talk to Clay about. We've talked about Bradley Beal a lot and all the rest, but I want to put this in the context of the market, which is something that we've done before on this podcast when it was in its previous iteration, which is that, Going into this offseason, I feel like the Heat had fallen off their perch in South Florida. Not that there wasn't a certain amount of trust that they could figure things out, but 
after 25 years of being clearly the model organization in town, there were some questions about whether they'd lost their way. And it looked like the Dolphins and the Marlins, they're going to be bad for a while, but at least they have a direction. I don't even know about that. I can't tell you about the Panthers because every time I get excited about the Panthers, they screw the thing up. I, I feel like they've done good things this offseason, but I'm probably wrong. But those two franchises and the Hurricanes, to a certain degree, there was excitement over Manny Diaz where you can even look at it and say of those four that maybe the Heat were kind of in the weirdest spot of the four because they didn't have a clear direction. Clay, do you think that what they've done this offseason, getting Jimmy Butler, drafting Tyler Harrow, which looks like, if not a home run, it certainly looks like at least a double. Um, do you think that that has put them back where they were? I do, at least at least close. And and I think you're right, by the way. I, I do think they had fallen off of that perch. And, and look, I, uh, let's be honest, deservedly so, when you look at the contracts that they gave out. And you know, yeah, they were able to, to trade Tyler Johnson, but essentially you were, you know, you were chipping away at your mistakes that you had made little by little. You, you've still got James Johnson's contract on your books. I, I happen to think Deion Waiters is going to have uh, a much better season, obviously, you know, getting healthy. And I, I just think his, his frame of mind, we got to talk to him the other day and he was, so I think he's going to be better um, this year on the floor. But look, they had fallen off of that perch by their own doing. And, and I think a lot of times you do need a little luck. And in this case, I think the luck was thanks to number three and Dwayne Wade and the recruiting that he's done over the last few years with Jimmy Butler. Um, but part of that luck was set in motion by Pat Riley smoothing over the relationship with Dwayne Wade a couple of years ago, bringing him back and, and kind of showing that, that, yeah, Dwayne, I mean, you are still this organization moving forward. And, and I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a coincidence. Some of the other names that we're hearing, and I'm sure we'll talk about this as the podcast goes on, are all guys who have some sort of connection with Dwayne Wade that could potentially come to South Florida. You're talking about Victor Oladipo and, and Bradley Beal, who grew up admiring Dwayne Wade. So, you know, I, I do think that, that that was a huge part of this. But, you know, you mentioned the, the Jimmy Butler move, and obviously that was the catalyst with all of this. If that doesn't happen, then we're not even having this conversation. But, guys, I'll tell you the thing that, that kind of stuck out with me. It wasn't just the, the positive moves that Pat Riley made and this organization made. It was the one they didn't make. It was the Russell Westbrook trade that they didn't make. And I'll be completely honest here. I was up there standing on the, uh, on the couch, if you want to be Tom Cruise. I was standing up on the table yelling, yay, make this happen. Let's, let's be relevant again. You and Ethan. You and Ethan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, seriously, though. I mean, but it was fully no. And look, being completely honest, hey, we're the ABC station down here. When, when the heat are relevant, business is good for us. So I think we looked at Russell Westbrook, understood, hey, it may not be the best basketball fit. But relevancy-wise, man, you're relevant instantly. Pat Riley, though, I think showed a level of patience, a measure of patience that we haven't seen in quite some time when you started to hear what Oklahoma City was asking for in this trade. I, I think, look, if Pat Riley had just opened up the, the, the roster and said, yeah, sure, take Bam, take Tyler Hero, and, and whatever, whatever picks we are, let it, just, just give us Russell then I think you start to wonder, okay, maybe he doesn't have the championship in mind. But I think what we saw is, number one, there are other people in that organization who are kind of, I don't want to say holding him in check, but at least he, he may be listening to some of those other voices in the organization. But also, I, I think it showed 
he doesn't care about relevancy as much as he cares about championships. And instead of kind of making the impulsive move to give whatever it took to get Russell Westbrook, he did the smart, patient thing to build a championship roster and, and kind of wait, wait for a better fit to come along. Clay, it's funny when you say that, because if you look at the, uh, the, the Butler trade, um, the, if he had uh, acquiesced to what Tibbs wanted, uh, uh, Thibodeau back in um, whatever, whenever the trades were going on in February, January, if he had acquiesced at that point, he would have gave up a lot more than he did this summer. I pointed this out on Twitter the other day. What Tibbs got for Butler is Robert Covington, who they're trying to get rid of, yeah. and Dario Saric. Yeah. Like, so Riley's patience has actually paid off already once, and I think it's going to pay off again when we see what Russell Westbrook is in another year, year and a half with that contract. So Yeah, and, and Al, not to interrupt you, I agree with you 100%. And I think we all kind of knew that, that the Russell Westbrook situation was one where it was like, okay, you're essentially – buying a really expensive lottery ticket and 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 hoping that that somehow the talent is is going to outweigh the question of fit and all of the uh, you know the lack of efficiency and everything I, com- I compared it to a used boat <laughs> <laughs> that's another good one I, yeah a, yeah everybody wants a boat but like do you really want a boat man like because after you get the boat like you got to clean the boat you got to find somewhere to put the boat yeah, it's you got to maintain point. the boat. Yeah, and, and by the way, I think the I was less concerned about the the personality stuff because I I, I don't know if you guys had a chance to listen to to Jimmy Butler on the JJ Reddick podcast. Uh, this was a few months ago after the Sixers had picked him up, and and it gave you it was really interesting listening in real time JJ Reddick kind of coming to an understanding of who Jimmy Butler is. And, and he admitted, look, when I saw the stuff that was going down in Minnesota, I was like, oh, really? Like, like this is who we're bringing into the locker room? And then once he got to know him, he was like, oh, this is a guy who's smart. This is a guy who busts his rear end. And if he yells at you, it's in the heat of competition because he knows what's supposed to be getting done. Well, I, I think somebody like Russell Westbrook, somebody who is that passionate about winning, I don't think that would have been a problem. And, and by the way, I also think that's why the Heat are so – uh, open to essentially turning over the keys of the franchise to Jimmy Butler right now because they understand his reputation uh, it comes from a place of wanting to win and knowing the game. But, man, you're, you're dead on. I, I just think that sometimes the best deals are the ones that you don't make. And, and you look back at what they would have had to give up to Minnesota. They don't have Tyler Hero right now if they make that deal. They, they likely don't have Kelly O'Lenick. You know, obviously we heard different iterations of that deal, but I think – uh, the ones that were pretty consistent was Richardson, Olenek, and and a first round pick. Um, and in, instead, you're able to make that deal for something that's a lot less painful. And and now you're you're looking at a roster where you could be pretty darn competitive in the East, talking, you know, four, five, six seed. But then also you've got some guys there that you could potentially make another move if something pops. Well, I th- the biggest thing I've taken away from this is they love Bam Adebayo. Like I, I mean, oh, if, yeah. if if you go back to last year. Uh, not putting him on the table with Minnesota, even when you needed Jimmy Butler at the time, really, because I, look, they knew that roster was a mess last year. Like, I mean, they knew it in training camp. They had guys going in and out. They were holding certain players out. Uh, Spolzer had 32 players he had to try to find minutes for, and plus Dwayne's retirement tour. It was it was a total it was a total mess. It's a season that like you're not going to remember for more than three minutes, which is and they're all Dwayne. <laughs> 
and, and no, that, you're exactly right. And and that and that's really it. And, and you look at Heat seasons like you know there are some years that are just forgettable, right? I mean, fourteen fifteen was forgettable. Um, two thousand one two thousand two was forgettable. Um, you know, most of two thousand seven two thousand eight was not forgettable because uh, you never thought you would see the Heat pulling sixty five guys from the then D League uh, playing Kasid Powell thirty eight minutes uh, and and tanking, which is what they had to do once they didn't plan on doing it when the season started, but they did once the season uh, began and fell apart. But you know, look, I, the the biggest thing that I take from from all of this is they just don't want they view Bam as as a future star center, um, and maybe even now because yeah. if you look at what Spolstra's talked about with him, it's all been about you know he was a top five center once he was a starter last year, and the numbers bear that out. Like I mean, we can talk about he's not you know he's not putting up twenty three and thirteen yet, but if you just look on a per minute basis, and the other thing is the makeup. And Alf and I talked about this on the on the last po- a couple podcasts ago, but Udonis Haslam putting out a love letter to him on Instagram, uh, which I mean UD does that for people. UD's gotten very emotional <laughs> as the years mm-hmm. have gone on, uh, which I appreciate how human. That's what happens when you have kids, man. You just this you is true. It, it, well, it is, and I don't. Yeah, you know, well, and Alf, you can speak to that directly for for what you know. I mean. UD's good people in every every you know possible. every single yeah he did he did something very special for my family so yes I do I do appreciate the the mayor of Miami UD yeah and and he and he he has for me as well and and so uh you know but to, for him to go out there so openly and anoint Bam Adebayo as the next one he can't like, be traded now right you can't <laughs> right he's a made man right like he's He's made bad. Like you can't. So I, I, that's Clay. I agree with you that they showed restraint in this case. Um, I, you know, I was pushing for the Westbrook trade. Uh, I was pushing for Same. it because, because uh, partially because I'm selfish and I, I wanted the downloads, but also, <laughs> uh, but also because I thought that putting the combustible combination of Butler and Westbrook might actually be crazy enough to work. Um, and, and, and I think what you said earlier about, you know, competitiveness, the traits. And I, I, I talked about this and I wrote about this and then I talked to people in Las Vegas and they told me I was right about this. The traits that, uh, that other teams don't like about players, the heat love those traits. Mm -hmm. And, and and they love like this idea that like you would find a player for acting out in practice against another player. No paddle by a dinner. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. And, and that the, the things that they value, the players that they value, the intensity. Remember, this organization was put on the map by Alonzo Mourning, who is a player who could not go three games without getting a technical. Okay, like this was the big issue when he was signed. So they they are not afraid of that type of player. They are afraid of players who don't care enough. That's what they're afraid of, and they've had some of those lately. And so I think what you're looking at now is a couple things. One. I do think he showed restraint. Um, I do think that they're kind of waiting tactically for the next guy to say he wants to be out, but in a way that the other team is so compromised they can't do anything but send him to Miami. Maybe it's Bradley Beal. Who knows? But I also think what they have shown is they're not, they don't see Bam Adebayo as a complementary piece. They see Bam Adebayo as part of a potential big three, okay, with two other stars. And that that's the piece they want to keep. And so that's been the most instructive thing to me about this offseason. 
Well, and, and a few things. The thing about BAM that I find really interesting, and, and I actually commented on this to our producer, Dookie Line, the other night, uh, watching him just just grow up, I think, over the last couple of years since he got here. And, and look, we all did. That's, that's such an, an age of, of maturation. And, and I think people forget he was, what, 19, 20 when he walked in down here? 20 19, years old. So, he started as a 19-year-old. Yeah. yeah. So I remember being out at his introductory news conference. And, um, you know, he, he, he was young. He, he was much like Tyrell Hero was a couple of weeks ago when, when we were out there for that. And, and you could tell there was just um, – there was kind of a, a – man, I'm just trying to see what's next here. And, and – uh, this is kind of new with the media, not that, you know, obviously being at, at Kentucky, you talk to the media, but hey, this is this is major market media. This is a bit different to where now we've had interactions with him and and he is so comfortable. He is uh, I, I think he's starting to uh, m- get to a place and it's the old the old saying being comfortable in your own skin. And and I think Ohio ready for some quick mental health facts. Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. You know, I remember I went through that growing up, and I'm sure you guys remember similarly, uh, there were points in your lives where you kind of realized, hey, I don't care what people think about me anymore. Um, I'm going to be who I am. And so I, I, I really, it, it was at his camp the other day, hearing him talk. And man, that you just, you're starting to see his personality. You're starting to see somebody who is very comfortable. And I think part of that, guys, is I think he knows now what they feel about him. I think he knows as well mm-hmm. that it, there's a confidence growing there. And, and part of it, I really think towards the end of last year, there's a thing in college football with, with guys, and it typically happens with really good players around the end of their second year, where you say the light started to go on for them. And, and it's that, that, that growth process. And I thought especially, and here's another cliche, that the game starts to slow down for some guys. It's another cliche from football. But I thought especially last year, guys, towards the end of the year, when Bam got at the rim, when he got to the rim, he, his first year and a half or so, he, just, he didn't seem to know what to do if he couldn't dunk it. And then I felt like towards the end of last year, you started to see the touch around the rim a bit more. You started to see some of those, some of that work that he's put in in practice, the post moves that he's worked on, starting to work. Some of the moves around the basket, the touch, and, and kind of figuring it out, the game slowing down. So I, I think all of this has kind of come full circle to where you're seeing the confidence in Bam Adebayo, not just on the floor, but also off of it. And I think you combine him with Jimmy Butler, that's, that's going to be big. And, and, and I think you have two guys that care, Alf. And, and Clay, you also saw the, the, the touch on the jump shot. Um, you've seen this offseason, some of these videos that they put out. You see some of that Chris Bosh influence. Like he did a move the other day, and I swore it was Chris, right? <laughs> with which, the extent. Which one, which one was that? The one where uh, he had the little uh, headsy jab step. Yeah. Came around and the extension on the layup. I was like, is yes. that Chris or yes. is that Bam? Yes. It, was be- it was beautiful to see. And the thing is, when you, when you look at that kid and you, I call him a kid because I'm old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you look at that kid, you watch him play. He and, and you just see how he's absorbed so many things from different guys around him. 
and they right. it, you can you can just tell he's just a sponge. He, he just wants to be as good as he as 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 good as he possibly can be, and that's why when uh, Ethan and I were talking about it the other day, we were saying because uh, we were talking about Beal, but we did put a big emphasis on Winslow and Bam. Because I think if you watch what Toronto did this year, and I and and I, I want your opinion on this, when you watch what Toronto did this year, you got those kind of guys, those winning players, right? They may not be your, you know, they may not be your number one, number two, but those winning guys on the floor, they can go a long way into winning a championship. And I think um, keeping Winslow and keeping Bam around this organization are going to be integral for them to continue to grow. And when they bring in that second superstar, then maybe, yes, Bam ascends to another level. And then you have a guy like Winslow who will play defense and plays his heart out every single night. I think you start having, you start seeing the building blocks of a championship team. Well, I, I think you hit the nail on the head too. And, and those winning players are, are vital to a championship team, right? But they, they can't necessarily be your number one guy. And I think that was the problem with the heat over the last, Oh, year or so was they were trying to make Josh Richardson somebody he's not. By the way, I exactly. think Josh Richardson. I, I think he's going to be. He's going to be great on. I, and yes. I, I said it before. I, I love his fit in Philadelphia. Yes, yes, dead on. But man, when you try when you try to make him the number one guy, the go to guy. I remember standing there talking to Pat Riley when he was doing the um, uh, the uh, he was doing something to to help refurbish a veteran's home. And, and of course, Pat's always gracious and takes basketball questions, these things. And somebody made the comment about Josh Richardson. And he said, you guys keep calling him a go-to guy. Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't make him the go-to guy. Make, let this be organic. Well, I mean, part of the reason why we called him the go-to guy was because that's kind of what the Heat were trying to make him. And, right. and so I, I think when you watched him towards the end of games, you realize that's just not him. He's going to be a phenomenal number four or number five on a championship team. He's going to be one of those winning players, a really good three and D guy, assuming he keeps growing with that shot, but he's not going to be the guy to get his own shot at the end of games. Now you get somebody like Jimmy Butler, the alpha, the number one, a guy who, when you watch the Sixers in the playoffs, who was the guy that they wanted the ball in his hands in those big spots? It was Jimmy. It and wasn't so, Ben Simmons. Cause he can't shoot. Yeah, that's right. But he's a coward. Now, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but now you've got Jimmy Butler and all of a sudden those guys who couldn't necessarily be number ones, they could be really, really good number threes and number fours. And I think that's what you're getting at. And with the way this team is constructed right now, it just, it just feels like they're, just, they're missing that, that dynamic scoring two guard, a guy who can shoot. And I think that's why we keep going back to Bradley Beal because he'd just be the, the ultimate fit there. But, yeah, I mean, to your point, they, those guys who are perfect complementary pieces now have somebody that they can complement in Jimmy Butler and, and hopefully the Heat are able to add another guy like that. Well, and that's why I always say, you know, that the strategy for the Heat is, you know, get the, you know, get the stars and figure it the F out later. Um, and that's because pieces do start to fall in place. And, you know, when you can't have what they had last year, which is an ensemble cast of B minus players. I mean, it's just, there's, you don't know who's supposed to play with who at what point uh, nothing filters in correctly. The players don't know their roles. They start competing with each other in a negative way instead of in a positive way. Uh, it's, it's very different. Jimmy comes here. He's the star. Now I want to transition to be a little bit, be a, be a little bit. And I want to address a couple of things that came up about our episode yesterday, Alf, 
uh, and maybe Clay could jump in on some of this stuff. So first thing, when we were talking about the best two guards in the league, we forgot C.J. McCollum. So I apologize because I feel like everybody forgets C.J. McCollum. Like, that's just what happens. Uh, but, but we probably should have mentioned him. We did mention Oladipo. But I put this on Twitter today, and I'm going to tell you, I don't agree with this. Um, I said, Clay, your opinion on this. I, I asked uh, with an appropriate name, although I don't think his full name is Clayton uh, with a K. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I put who is better, Bradley Beal or Clay Thompson, and I think it was 64% um, or 66%, so two-thirds, Clay Thompson. In your view, is Clay Thompson better than Bradley Beal? Because that ties into the conversation here with the Heat. You know, I'm cheating a little bit because I listened to your you guys' pod last night. Uh, so forgive me that it, that I'm I'm probably echoing a little bit of what you guys said, but I'm taking Beal, and, and the reason why I'm taking Beal is because I I'm a lot more confident in what he can do at the rim. Uh, you know what? I nobody is better at what he does than Clay Thompson, and and he's phenomenal, and and he deserves all deserves all the credit in the world for that. I think especially with this Heat team and what they need. I, I think you need somebody else who can get his own shot and get to the rim and, and make you a little bit more dangerous. And, and you know, maybe I'm looking at this a little bit too much through the lens of who would be best for the Heat right now and, and, and looking at the way their roster is constructed. But I also think, guys, you asked this question to start your podcast uh, last night and, and the one before this, if you're, you're obviously not listening to this uh, as it's being recorded. But during your Bradley Beal podcast, you started off by asking, is Bradley Beal a superstar? Bradley Beal gives you superstar production, legit mm-hmm. superstar production. He's not a superstar name. And, and I qualify superstars by, do my mom and my wife know who this person is? They know who Russell Westbrook is. They know who Clay Thompson is because the Warriors are on TV all the time. They don't know who Bradley Beal is. But Bradley Beal, I think, is a better player than Clay Thompson. And and that's just kind of the – when you talk about a superstar, it's who is – who transcends. Beal doesn't transcend yet, but I think he will when he gets into the right situation. And, and for Heat fans, hopefully that's Miami. And he'll never transcend in Washington. And and that's why I called him a budding superstar because I feel like he is on that verge, and like like you said, he needs to be in the right situation. Yeah. Um, where where he's at right now, they I mean the Wizards don't get on TV. I mean even the Heat barely got on TV, but at least the Heat have they had Dwayne Wade last year. The Heat have championship pedigree. I mean, what does Washington really have? So I wanted to kind of ask both of you guys, what did you take away from today? Because being around Ethan uh, more lately has kind of hit me to the game a little bit on this reporting. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, because yep. all I saw coming out of Washington today was a bunch of PR spin BS. Um, this this whole idea that they brought him in to the you know to 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 the draft room to to look at prospects. I mean. The Heat were picking Shabazz Napier because LeBron. They thought it would make LeBron happy. I don't care about any of that. Stuff. <laughs> How'd that work out? Right, exactly. How did yeah, that work out? Yeah. So, what did you guys think of what was coming out of Washington today? It, is it legit? Is it something that Heat fans should say, "Oh man, Bradley Beal's not leaving"? Because honestly, and Clay, we went back and forth on this about on Twitter, not not arguing, but we kind of agreed. That, you know, OKC fans probably thought uh, Paul George was a, a Thunder yep. lifer two months mm-hmm. ago. So what did you guys think of what was coming out of Washington today? You, you, you want to start, Ethan? 
Uh, no, you go ahead, and then I'll, I'll okay. clean up. I, I agree with you. I thought the whole the whole thing was was absolutely PR spin. And and look, you better be doing everything to make Bradley Beal happy because he is far and away the only chance that you have to be relevant anytime soon if he wants to stick around there. So the only thing that came out to today that and this was my fault that I, I wasn't aware of, of how crazy the numbers were and how soon he can sign the Supermax contract with Washington. And correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but it would have to be with Washington. But the thing that stood out to me in that Roach report was that he could sign a $254 million Supermax next summer. So mm-hmm. it, it, it wasn't so much any of what we heard today from Ted Leonsis or, or Shepard or, or any of that, the fact that they, they brought him into the draft room. All, that's fine. I mean, you, you, you darn well better do that if you want to keep Bradley Beal around. But I, for me, and I always try to put myself in the shoes of, of athletes as I've gotten older and I've got a family. When I was a kid, I was like, oh, yeah, take, take the hometown discount. Go to my team. But as you get older and you have kids, you have a family, you're like, man, you got, you got a lot of people you got to take care of. I, it would be really hard for me to turn down $254 million. So that's the only reason that, that when things came out today, I was like, oh, man, that's going to be awfully tough. There's going to be a lot of recruiting going on for them to convince him to turn down $254 million even to come to Miami. But, Clay, what I think has happened here is I think that a lot of NBA guys have realized that comfort and relevance – are more important than the dollars once you get past a certain amount. And, and I think, you know, there was this feeling that the Supermax would get everybody to stay where they were, and some guys did. Uh, but I don't think it's the case for everybody. And, and I just – well, Alf hit it on the, on the head earlier. Washington should be a good basketball market, but it's never been. Um, it, it, you know, I, when, I, when I used to go up there, the only place that I could think of, major cities in the country that had less of a home – court advantage than Washington was Atlanta. Uh, those were the two places where they, they were always rooting for the heat. I, I mean, it just, it, in Washington, it was during the big three era, but it was not, it was not just the big three era. I mean, I, I remember being up there in the 15, 16 season and the whole place, I mean, it was, it was half full, but it was all heat fans. It's still I, now. It's still it, now. It, it is. They've never embraced that. Team. It's a Redskins town. Um, you know, it, it it's never, you know, the Nationals ha- have picked up there a little bit. The Capitals get a following. The Wizards don't. They just don't. Georgetown, you know, had a following for a long time, obviously, and they've tried to bring that back. But th- it's it's not. It's a cavernous arena. Um, I mean, they built up the area around it, around Chinatown and everything. But it's just, it's just not. There's no feeling there. And I, I just, everything I've heard about Bradley Beal, and I don't know him. I've interviewed him a handful of times. I don't know him. But everything I've heard about him from Florida and other places is that winning and relevance do matter to him. And so I, I just I think I think he might pass on the money. Um, I think this is, you know, I think his he's been flirting lately on Twitter. I mean, the stuff with Dwayne and all that, like I, I think there's something there. And and also, you know, I said this on the podcast yesterday. I think it's I think it's odd, Clay. I mean, you've been here long enough to know there's no Jimmy Butler press conference scheduled. Like yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. I, well, I mean, and I wondered. I wondered if that was because of his vacation. And him well, it was gone. at first. It was at first, but now, I mean, okay. So he's not going to do anything before the end of July. What are they waiting yeah. on? Like, you know? No, we were because they had the the conference call uh, shortly after it happened, and and I get it. I mean, 
you know, you you print guys, Ethan. You you old school print guys. You guys. I'm not a print guy anymore. I'm not a print guy anymore. Print is dead, Clay. Print is dead. Man, that's that's a whole other podcast right there. Yeah. But by the way, I, I like it that you pointed out that I'm a greedy jerk and uh, that I'm only in it for the money and that uh, NBA players are are far smarter than me, which they are. Um, but uh, it, no, I, I do I did find that interesting, Ethan, as well. Um, I I do think look. I, there have been a number of people who there's a reason why Bradley Beal and Miami keep coming up together. And, and I don't, I don't think it's simply because everybody knows how badly Pat Riley wants Bradley Beal. And uh, it, it was funny. We would watch heat games. This was, I think this was in January. It was leading up to the, to the deadline. And I remember seeing, you could see Pat Riley courtside and, and he would move over. You would see him watching wizards games. Oh, I know. So I know. I, I mean, we, this, this Clay, is, Clay, Clay, we had a we had a spy. There's a guy who follows us. Uh, I, I probably shouldn't reveal this. Um, I won't say his name, but he he sits directly above him. So what he would do is every game, <laughs> he would send me a DM with them watching the Minnesota game, like him sitting oh, in the zone, right? <laughs> right? So there's Andy there, like, yeah. and that's all they'd be watching Jimmy Butler the whole time. But yes, then they switched to Bradley Beal. They they started yeah. watching Bradley Beal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I, I don't think this is any. It, it's, it's, it's out there, and I think everybody knows. And by the way, I think you're right too. I mean, the, the stuff where the, the two people. He's not on Twitter very much. Maybe a tweet every, maybe a couple of tweets a day, if that. Usually, it's just retweeting stuff with his. I think he has an AAU team that yeah. that he's got in St. Louis. But then, then he retweets Dwayne Wade and Chad Ochocinco. The, mm-hmm. the two guys, Chad Ocho, who has who has been publicly recruiting him harder than anyone, mm-hmm. and, and Dwayne, who was his idol growing up, and and who he wears number three in honor of, and yeah, I mean he knows that. So yeah, I mean either they're they're really playing a a, a game with the Heat because I'm sure he's too smart to to have this be any sort of an accident. Either they're playing a little bit of a game with Heat fans, which who knows? I mean that could be going on as well. Or they're doing what, what Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade did two nights or a night or three nights before he ultimately agreed to a deal with the Heat. And so my, 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 you, you don't think Hey Big Head was coincidental at that no, point? No, I don't think so. No. I don't think so. <laughs> and, and yeah, and that was the other one with Bam coming out and doing that. I mean, look, they, they are obviously – everybody knows this, people in the organization. And clearly, Bam didn't do that just because, oh, hey, look, uh, Bradley Beal happened to be tweeting seven years ago about the Miami Heat. I'll just, I'll just make a joke here. No, I mean, this is – all of this stuff, there's something there. The question is, is enough there for, A, Bradley Beal to uh, decide that sticking it out for a year and trying to go for the $254 million Supermax next year is worth it? And, B, and I think you guys have said this over and over – he would have to go to Wizards management and request a trade and, and likely one to Miami. And otherwise, guys, I, I, given what the Heat have, I don't see how they compete with other teams in a trade for Bradley Beal, strictly for Bradley Beal. It would have no, to be no, Clay, 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 it is what Pat said. It, guys have to ask out these days. That's the only way that this stuff happens. All right, we've got only a minute and a half left because I didn't pay the uh, upgraded Zoom bill because you know, <laughs> we're trying to bring in more advertising here. So I'm just going to let you do this in a minute or less, okay, Clay? Alf and I yep. are both in this. Roster as it stands now, no other moves. Heat finish where in the East. 
fifth or sixth. They're going to compete for, compete for fifth. And I, I'm not a big believer in Indy. I, I think they're going to start to tail off a little bit, especially we don't know when Oladipo is going to come back. I think you're pretty safe right now in assuming that it's going to be Milwaukee and, and, and Philly up at the top. Um, I think Toronto is going to be better than people are giving them credit for. I don't know how the Boston thing is going to work. I, I'm sure they're going to be good, but I don't know if they're going to be top two or three good. Um, but after that, I, I really think, guys, that, that you could see them compete with all the rest of those teams, and especially since Durant's going to be out all year. It might take them a little bit of a, a little while to get, get used to everybody. So, yeah, I'd say, I'd say fifth or sixth in the East. All right, Alf, you got, we got, you got three seconds. Want to add something? Uh, Heat are going to be third. Wow. That's wow. as was yesterday. What the hell did they do overnight? I don't know. I don't believe that. I just I wanted to say something controversial. All right. That's good. All right. Controversial. Clay, thanks for joining us. You are a much better guest than Will would have been and much more handsome than Sedano. We appreciate the time. And, you know, anytime you want to have me on 10, man, I'll tell Pete Pasquale and Shapiro and Donovan I can't make it. It's up to you. I'll, I'll tell you, we'll, we'll pay you 10 times what we pay our normal guests. So zero. Yeah. There thanks. You go. <laughs> Before we close today's episode, I want to tell you about another of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. You know them well by now. It's the law office of Seltzer Mayberg. You can find them at onecalllegal.com. That's onecalllegal.com or call 1-855-5000-LAW. They handle cases including but not limited to car accidents, slip and falls, and traffic tickets with a new 15,000 square foot office opening on I-95 in North Miami. They handle cases from all over the state. Call now with 24-7 service for a free consultation. That's onecalllegal.com, 1-855-5000-LAW. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.